We're in the middle of a uh, series of messages called Family Matters, and we all know that. I think the world knows that, Christian or non, we, we know that family matters. Uh, and we're speaking of some matters of the family, and this last week we talked about the kids matter. And we said that while in our effort to give kids great experiences and in our effort to make sure our kids have more than we had and get to experience more than we had, let's make sure that we don't make our kids experience rich and relationship poor. Because the magnet on our culture tells, to, tells us that if we're good parents, we've got to give our kids all these experiences, and that's really great, but not at the expense of being relationship poor. Because where the rubber meets the road in life, life is all about relationships. And when someone's success in life is, is not nearly determined by those experiences they may have, but it's just more determined by how they can make and keep and maintain stable relationships in their life. And if that is not modeled by a mom and dad's successful relationship with a son or daughter, where else do our children learn that? Where else do our children learn to maintain stable relationships if it's not in the home the home is critical to god the 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 first four commandments of the ten commandments in exodus and deuteronomy first four are are vertical meaning that that they they are relate to our relationship with god and the last six are horizontal which mean they relate to our relationship with other people and the first one of those that relate to other people says honor your mother and your father and God forever puts priority and first place on family. Now if you've seen that little postcard that we sent out advertising this marriage, this family series, you saw the kind of subtitle under the message marriage matters was how to get your dream guy slash girl back. And that's why we have a large crowd here today I imagine. We could also have titled it, um, How to Have the Spouse You've Always Dreamed Of. And there really is an answer to that question. And you don't have to be really a master of divinity to be able to understand that. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. The answer is really very simple. It's hard to work out in our life, but the answer is really simple. How is it you get your dream guy or girl back? How is it that you can be able to have the spouse that you've always dreamed of? You be the spouse your spouse has always dreamed of. And watch your spouse react to that. Nothing is foolproof. Nothing in life is 100 out of 100. But as you, as you look at life in general... We get out of life what we put into it. That's not a grand theological thought because God's grace covers all of that and and we never earn or, or, or earn salvation. God gives us that by His grace. But you cannot go through God's Word without seeing this principle that He's put into play with human beings and in this world that we get out of life what we put into it. And if I want to have the spouse that I've always dreamed of, I need to be the spouse that my spouse has always dreamed of and watch her react to that. I'm the only person in my life that I have control over. If I want to 
change my spouse? <laughs> I can't do it. I can only change one person on the face of this earth, and that's me. And I can live my life trying to change my spouse, and my spouse can live my life trying to change me, and you'll be doing this. How do you have the spouse you've always dreamed of? You be the spouse that your spouse has always dreamed of, and watch stuff happen in your marriage. The little phrase, you get out of life what you put into it, that's found nowhere in Scripture, but it's taught many places in Scripture. And I've got some that are listed right up here, Jeff. Let's get the first one. You know, the Beatitudes are, are not only our relationship to God, it's, it's how people relate to one another. And all the Sermon on the Mount is about relating to one another. Blessed are the merciful, for they're going to be able to find mercy. You know that. People that live their lives being, being, being merciful, when they need mercy, it's, very much, it's a whole lot easier for people to be able to give them mercy it's a whole lot easier to be able to rely on friends when you've been a friend that people have relied on you get out of life what you put into it how do, how do you have the spouse that you've always dreamed of you be the spouse that your spouse has always dreamed of what else do we have up here everybody everybody misinterprets this verse everybody misinterprets that And that's a whole sermon in itself. But what it says, if you're a judgmental person, other people are going to judge you. If you're a judgmental person, other people are going to judge you by the same standard you judge other people. And do you want other people to judge you by that same standard that you would judge other people? Don't judge or you too will be judged. What else do we have? It's a, it's a principle that God has put into this world that, that, that what we sow, we will reap. And as I've told you many times, we hear preachers talk about that in a negative way. It's, it's listed in a positive way in Scripture. Because right after that, it, it, it talks about do, do not get weary in well-doing. Because what a, what a man sows, he reaps. And if you put corn into the ground you're going to get corn back and no one puts peas in the ground and gets corn back and this this verse could say a man gets out of life what he puts into it it's just another way to be able to say the same thing there's a verse in colossians colossians 3 19 that talks a lot about marriage And in this verse, it speaks to the husbands, and it says, husbands, love your wife. And so let me spend a little time here talking to the husbands. Now, husbands, if you're here with your wife, you may want to scoot a little bit apart because you may see a flying wing here in just a second. Husbands, love your wife. Now, a little bit later, we'll see that the Bible says, wives, respect your husbands. <laughs> Two different things. Our, our, our wives are relational creatures. They are much more relational than we guys are. So the closeness and the intimacy 
and the relational nature of marriage is more important to women than it is to guys. Now, ladies don't like to hear that because the ladies want their guys to really be so intimate and close. But I'm telling you, ladies, sometimes we have to work at it because it's not the most natural thing in the world for us. Because by nature, we're takers. God had made us that way. And ladies, by nature, you're givers. And so God knows that about our nature and says, man, I need to remind you. Even though this, this is going to be hard for you, you need to focus on loving. You need to focus on loving your wife. You don't have to be told that, that ladies are more relationally oriented than guys are. A perfect example of this was me probably four or five years ago. I was flying somewhere. And it was back when I was doing a, a, a lot of speaking here and there. And, and I got on this plane, and it was a you know, two-seater over here and two seats over on this side and a small aisle in the middle. And so I sit down on the aisle seat, and there was a gentleman on the window seat. And I said, hey, man, how you doing? He said, I'm doing okay. How you doing? I said, I'm doing fine. There wasn't another word said in the one-hour and 30-minute flight. And both of us were cool with that. Now, directly across the aisle from me, now those aisles are very small, right, if you've been through them, were two ladies. I did not have to eavesdrop to hear their conversation because the aisles are... And these ladies did not know one another, how you know that, Mark. Well, I could tell by their conversation because the things they were talking about were, were get-to-know-you type of things. And those ladies talked for the full hour and 30 minutes of that flight and you know what they talked about they talked about the people in their lives it was just a prime example of the difference between men and women me and this dude over here we were content man to read sports illustrated to work on our laptops to do whatever we weren't mad at one another we didn't think we were being disrespectful to one another we were just being guys and these ladies over here, man, they were going at it. And they were just in heaven. They loved it. Guys, your wife is different than you, and she needs affection. She needs for you to take her hand in public. She needs for you to compliment her. She needs for you to tell her you loved her. I know you told her on her on her wedding day, but you need to tell her again. <laughs> Wouldn't it be bad to hold the door open for her like you did when you were dating? And I'm preaching to myself, okay? Sue's going to be in the second service. She's just going to be laughing at all the stuff I say here. I'm preaching to myself. Because I see in me such pockets of self-absorption. And my wife is such a giver. Husbands love your wives. There's a book Gary Chapman wrote, at, wrote Christian book. It's, there's based in Scripture. Talked about the five love languages. Husbands, how can you, how can you love your, your wives? Uh, know her love language. Uh, your wife receives love a certain way. 
Maybe it's words of affirmation. Maybe it's quality time. Maybe it's um, gifts. Maybe it's uh, doing little acts of kindness for her, little errands around the house, and there's one more that I can't remember. Your wife receives love a certain way, and that may not be the same way you receive love. And it's natural for us as human beings to give love the way we receive it. And so if I, if I really enjoy Sue buying a little gift for me every now and then, I'll think, well, she'll just going to enjoy that too. I mean, that's how self-absorbed I am. And so I bring her a little gift, and she looks at it and said, we didn't have money in the budget for this. But if I come home and sit down and talk to my wife, really talk to my wife, man, I am speaking her love. I, I don't even speak in my love language. I'm not, I, I talk to you 30 minutes on a Sunday and I could be quiet the rest of the week. But when I talk to my wife, I am speaking her love language. Gentlemen, what's your wife's love language? You won't ever know unless you ask her. How does she receive love? It may not be the same way you receive it, and you probably give it the way you think that, that you receive it, and so you may be giving love in a way that she's not receiving it. Does that make sense to you? I think that makes perfect sense. And for most women, quality time is right up there at the top. And guys, if you just want to be selfish about it, it's a great aphrodisiac. Spend time talking to your wife. If you want to love her at 10 p.m. at night, spend time talking to her during the day. Husbands, love your wives. Another way you can love your wife, husbands, is by taking your role as a godly leader in the home. Ephesians chapter 5, Jeff, do we have... However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. It's a little, do I have 22 and 23 up there somewhere? Where it says, wives, submit yourselves to your husband, for the husband is the head of the household. Now, people get all angry about this. And, and I've, I've said before, we're not talking about the husband laying down on the couch and said, I'm out of nachos! That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a voluntary, gracious submission to the males ahead of the household, as the Bible says. We're not talking about a... a in fact, look at the verb. It does not... No, go back, please. It does not say, Husbands! Make sure your wives submit to you. It doesn't say that, friend. If it did, it'd be a whole different verse. And it would be played out a whole different way in marriages. It says, wives, would you graciously, would you voluntarily submit yourself to your husband as the head of the household? And I don't know how that headship works out. In my household, it's like 50.1 to 49.9. But with any partnership, which a marriage is, there has to be a leader or it's kind of chaos. And God 
would not put this in his word if it wasn't crucial to the outworking of the family. This is as much part of his word as John 3.16 is part of his word. Husbands, how do you love your wives? Step up to the plate in a loving, gracious, servanthood type of way. Lead your family. Guys, we, we don't need in this world men who will sit back and not take charge and take the leadership that God has granted them. We have enough weak men in this world. We need guys to step up to the plate in a loving, gracious, humble way. Take leadership of the family. And if we had time to talk all through Ephesians 5, you will see that the onus is on us guys in God's eyes. This is not anything that I'll walk around and be proud about. God made me leader of the home. It ought to make me very humble because you see in that verse that the accountability is going to be on the male. The accountability is going to be on the male. And when I stand before God, he's going to want to know what I did with my family. There's nothing for us to be puffed up about. It's something for us to bow in God and admit our weakness and admit that we can't do this on our own and I can't be the leader you want me to be unless you fill me with your spirit. And Husbands, love your wives by stepping up to the plate in a loving, gracious way. Guys, if you struggle with this, ladies, if you struggle with this, come talk to me. Come talk to my wife. We don't at all have it all figured out, but we'll tell you the journey that we've been on. How do you, how do you have the spouse that you've always dreamed of? Will you be the spouse that your spouse has always dreamed of? I'm talking to people in here that are not married. I'm talking to people that have been divorced. I'm talking to some people that are married. I'm talking to some people who are widows or widowers. And this is applicable, friends. Even if you're a widow or a widower, you've got kids, you've got grandkids who need to hear your wisdom. They need to hear how What's made it work in Dick and Joanna's case for a one month shy of 63 years? But there's another side of the coin there as well. Because Ephesians 5, 33, now, now go to 33, I think it is, Jeff. It says, um, wives, you need to respect your husband. However, each one of you, talking to guys, however, each one of you husbands, you must love his wife as he loved themselves, which is a pretty high bar. Okay, pretty high bar. And, and it, uh, before that, it says you must love your wife as Christ loved the church. Well, how did Christ love the church? He died for the church. It's a pretty high bar. And it's nothing for us to be pumped up and proud about. It's us to be able to fall on our knees and say, I can't do this without you. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. <laughs> Ladies, if you don't know it, 
our egos are fragile. And we need to be built up and built into, and we need to be respected even more than we need to be loved. And ladies, I know you don't like that because love is your love language, this relational quality. But you need to understand your male, and he needs to be respected. If there's anything that throws cold water on a marriage, it's when spouse will disrespect the other one, and especially the, the female disrespecting the male. There's something about our egos. We're fragile, and, and, and you, you can tell us to suck it up and get over it, but it's still there. So ladies, how can you respect your, your husband? One way the scripture talks about is, is, is by make, to make your house a home. We guys don't know how to do that. We can mow the grass. We can fix the plumbing. <laughs> we had no clue on how to make a house a home. And some of you ladies are working full-time outside the home, and I understand that completely. And, that may, and both of you work together on all that kind. I know that. But especially for you ladies that are stay-at-home moms, uh, that husband needs a home to come home to. Needs a home, and you can do that. And I don't even know to tell you how to do it. But you know how to do that. It's in you. And if it's not in you, ask your mom or your grandma. How, how do you make a house a home? And it's not, not, not like we've got to come home and we can't find any socks on the floor or anything like that. It's just we want to come home to a home. We want to come home and we're tired and we've dealt with stuff all day. And we just want to come home. And we need that. It's one way you can respect us. I think I got a couple of Proverbs verses, Jeff. Do I? That, that back this up? What do you think about that? <laughs> somebody said amen. Somebody never said amen in their life over there before. Kids, the kids are going to be quarrelsome. I think we understand that as males. Wow, we don't want it after our wives. We don't want it from our wives. Better live on a corner of a roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. And I'm sure that verse can be flipped around as well. Do I have one more verse? A quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping on a rainy day. Ladies, we want to we come home. We want to come to a place that's a home for us. And I think it's a way you respect your husband. Now, now I trust the Holy Spirit has talked to you on how that works because I don't know how it works. I don't know how that works. Ladies, another way you can respect your husband is to be able to respect his needs sexually. And we can avoid this issue if we want to, but we avoid it at the peril of our marriages. And we can talk about this issue in books, and you go to seminars, and we, we don't want to talk about it in the church, and our divorce rate in the church is as high as the world's. 
And where in the world should you hear a talk about this other than in the house of God? Ladies, respect your wife. Ladies, respect your husband by meeting his needs sexually. I I think I have a verse, 1 Corinthians. A husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife's body, body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Do not deprive each other except by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, two years ago, I had my wife come up here and talk about this, and she's never lived it down, I don't think. And when we had laughing your way to a better marriage, uh, she talked a little bit about it as well. Um, your husband is happier when his sexual needs are met. Your husband is more contented. He's less stressed. Talk about it, husbands and wives. Communicate about it. But it's the way you respect your husband. It's the way you respect your husband. All right, let me finish. And it's just a repeat of what, I, what I've said earlier. Wives, how can you respect your husbands? Um, graciously, voluntarily submit to his leadership. For those that have issue with this scripture, obviously you don't have issue with me, you have issue with God. But those of you who have issue with this issue, God would not have set this forth in his holy word if he did not put a place in every woman's heart that longed for godly men to step up and take leadership in the home. Now I know there's all gamuts and, 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 and we hear all kinds of things and, and some of the reason I think ladies rebel against that is because they've had a nacho guy laying on the couch trying to take leadership in the home. And one of the ways it's tough to be able to submit to leadership is because you're not leading spiritually in the home. Dad, and you're letting your wife pray before the meals, and you're letting your wife lead devotions with her kids, and you're letting your life, wife be the spiritual leader, and God is grieved if that's the case. He's grieved. Ladies, wives, he says, submit. doesn't say husbands make your wives submit. Wives, would you graciously, would you voluntarily submit to good, godly leadership in your home? Well, Mark, what happens when... when it, when he's not a good and godly leader, I, I, it gets messy. I know. I don't, I don't have the answers. I wish I did. It gets messy. That's why you do not marry outside the faith. If you don't have a godly man leading you, you made the mistake in, back years ago. The Bible says don't marry outside of the faith. Do not be unequally yoked. But if you've made that mistake, as many people have, 
as many people have. The way you submit now is it's messy and it's hard. And I don't know all the answers to give. Talk with ladies and talk with my wife. And I don't know how to give you all the answers. I just know what God's word said. And there's something godly about a wife who voluntarily submits to good and gracious and humble and godly leadership in the home. It's a way we show respect. Excuse me. It's a way they show us respect. And boy, that's our love language. When my wife says something, when some of our kids want to buy a set of Legos that costs $50, and my wife says we can't afford it, well, why not? Levi's just started figuring out, even yesterday, where did money come from? (laughs) Well, you earn money. But where did that money that you earn come from? He goes, what's money's life cycle? (laughs) He's, He's like, where did it start? That's an aside. I didn't know what to tell him, but I didn't. But when she, she sa- we says, oh, Levi, we can't afford that. Oh, it's, it's just money. Da- and, and, and Sue goes, Daddy works hard for his money. Daddy works hard for his money. Oh, she's speaking my love language. <laughs> she's respecting me. Daddy works hard for our money. I feel respected. I've asked Brandon and the guys to come up and, and close us in a song and... and <clears throat> It's a song about how God can, can, can restore and bring, bring girls and guys back and bring that spouse that you've always wanted back and, and that God is, has to be in the marriage and submission to Christ has to come before submission to a husband or a wife. And, and I, I just wonder as this song is being played, if there's a husband that wants to take his wife's hand and come and kneel at this altar and pray for her, you may, your wife may have never heard you pray before. And if that's the case, then correct that today. That, that's what I mean by stepping up to the plate and taking leadership. You take the hand. You kneel at the altar. You start to pray. Your words will be stumbling and you'll be embarrassed, but they will be absolute music to your wife's ears. So, I don't, don't know what God is going to do with this moment. If my wife was here, I'd go grab her hand, and I will in the second service. But as the guys sing, you hear the words, and if you feel like God's prompting you to take your wife's hand and come have a time of prayer, I don't know what you say. I, I don't need to tell you what to say. Pray for your wife. Pray for your marriage. Ask her forgiveness. She asked his forgiveness. I don't know. Let's just see what God does with this time. Brandon, would you lead us? Father, I pray for these marriages that are represented on this altar right now. In the name of Jesus, I, I, I pray for your favor upon all of these marriages. You know the situations, and some of them aren't dealing with marital trouble they just want to be back together closer than they've ever been before and you have men that want to be godly leaders and they want a godly home and they want to make it more godly tomorrow than it is today and and so lord i just i just pray for all of them and i just ask that you would bless them no matter where stage they are in their marriage whether they've been married a few years or many years and whether they're in the newlywed stage or the twilight stage father i lift them to you 
I pray for all the marriages that are represented in this place here today. I pray that we will leave this place knowing something that we knew when we came in, but maybe knowing it at a deeper level, that marriage matters. And Father, I know that I, this marriage, this sermon strikes deep and, and prompts hurt in some people. And I pray for those people right now that that hurt that they're feeling now can be healed by your grace. And even though mistakes have been made, Father, you can not only restore, but you can heal. And partners that are no longer with theirs can get up and by your grace, though they're weak, can be able to walk in the power of Christ. So, Father, I acknowledge to you that we need your, your special touch on some people under the sound of my voice, whether right here in this sanctuary or whether listening on the Internet, that this message hurts. But, Father, that doesn't make it any less true. So we thank you for the opportunity that we have to come into your house and hear your truth. We don't hear it anywhere else. We don't hear it on the afternoon talk shows. We don't get it on TV. We thank you that there are places that we can come and hear truth. Take these words that I've spoken and use them in all of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.